Right, and we are live. Hello, good people. Hello, everybody. Are we all panicking? Are we all smiling? <laughs> Have we all recovered from what was, and I will say, a shock day from a Springbok announcement point of view? Once we eventually got to the Springbok announcement, uh, lots of very interesting um, free announcement, um, I don't know the right words, but activities, I think is probably quite, uh, quite a safe way to all formalities. But we eventually got through a Springbok announcement, and it was not the Springbok team announcement that I think everyone was expecting. And now I am joined by Cole, Reza, and Rudy to look at that Springbok announcement and to find out whether we are panicking, whether we are we dare to be excited, and whether we can understand the logic and the thinking regarding what happened this afternoon and what that currently means for our World Cup chances. Uh, gentlemen, are we all well? Well, uh, that question is relative. It is a public holiday tomorrow, so I'm as well as I probably could yeah. be on a Tuesday. While PR stunt, to be fair, to, to go and drop it just for the public holiday and be like, you know what, if nobody, if anybody <laughs> likes it, they're just going to go have a few drinks tonight, but tomorrow, what time they wake up tomorrow, they'll get it. I'm it's English, okay. so no. <laughs> they only come here with your problems, dude. <laughs> Just because, oh, so just because you just because you name one of the worst English World Cup squads I've ever seen doesn't mean that you get to come on here and start tuning us. Oh, I haven't I started mean, yet. To yeah, be fair, fair, let's 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 give him something to talk about. Yeah, fair. Ruth, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing okay, brother. Under the current climate, uh, I just would have liked uh, if they would have announced the squad in alphabetical order because they put us through so much. Dude. The drama. There the was drama. no. There was. I was trying the entire time when I'm busy doing. I'm trying to work out. I'm like, well, what order is this going? Because somebody's like, dude, it's obvious. It's, it's, it's alphabetical order. And I'm brute. No matter where you, how you do it, Marco Verstappen does not start at first. It doesn't matter what <laughs> alphabetical order, positional, sure. forwards, backs, caps, that was, least that caps, was, that was age. Wild. There's no order where he starts. He's in the first name on the list. So what order are they literally going with? Eventually, you could see that they were walking towards your senior player sitting in the front. But the, like 20 players before then. <laughs> just like, okay. I, like, I mean, I was, I was really hoping at the very least they can go about forwards, alphabetical, or backs, alphabetical. Even if they just went forwards, back. No, no, no. Now we're going to go in some random, literally school photograph order. Well, I think so that's like, probably what happened. The photographer went like, I, you're going to go that way, you're going to go that way. And then that was the list. Only in South Africa, where like I was earlier in the week, we obviously watched the All Black, uh, All Black squad announcement, and it's like they got this real formal, uh, very um, school type, you know, uh, in order A to Z. And South Africa, we like uh, we start off with that lovely anthem. So so we're rocking it, yeah. But it's a bit of good with a bit of confusion, with a bit of yeah, everything at the moment. It's classic Rossi. That's what it is. It's just <laughs> never, never let them know your next move, even yeah. if it's the most unimportant thing in the whole world. Like yeah, we, we, we can't we can't even do a team announcement right. like straightforward. We have to add a bit of extra something, and like and then, and then we're kneeling and we're, and we're being capped, and it's like. Can I just? Marcus started stood on the cushion and yeah, uh, didn't, uh, how to tell he's never had, he doesn't have a degree, dude. Man was about to stand on the podium and take it and accept Olympic gold. <laughs> Jesse no, Creel really, couldn't kneel no, really because his I muscles were too big. Can we can we talk about the fact yeah. that half the team just looked buggered? Like Evan walks in and he's like, I can't walk, and Jesse <laughs> Jesse Creel and Billy couldn't kneel, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, like, that's what happens when you play the RGs too. The too muscles much, are yeah. too big, man. Yeah, no, fair, fair. Well, listen, we're going to have to talk about Jesse Creel because he's got a lot of games he's going to have to play potentially. Do not start throwing that around. I will not accept that slander, Um, especially when when we get tuned, but everyone's quite happy to see a 150kg Tongan ring run run the 100 in like 12 seconds. But like, how dare like Jesse Creel look like Jesse Creel? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, to to be fair, the the Tongans are like, no, it's just uh, mama's good cooking. And for us, it's like, well, I mean, hey, look! Yeah. As long as Mama's good cooking, that you know includes a bit of steroids on this. Well, they've got yeah. like that whole like substance that they it's part of their diet, which is basically like a natural steroid. But uh, anyway, yeah. so gentlemen, we're going to have to go through the Springbok squad. It's thirty-three players to talk about. Uh, going through some of the comments, and uh, so MC says stacked team with great players, no Pollard, but it is what it is. I think we're going to be saying is what it is a lot in this in this World Cup. Uh, and Libok is worth backing, but if he hasn't, if he struggles, who's taking his spot? Cheslin. Well, Damien Williams has been named as the other 10. Alpen Lincoln saying defense can win a World Cup final. 9 5, 10 Libok, 11 Jesse, 
Yo. 12, Andre. 13, Damon Dan Lindy. Uh, 14, Moody. 15, Billy. Can you imagine the tight defense? And I can imagine it, to be fair. Um, not yeah, I mean, reckons... you can't slot a penalty. I mean, yeah. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> this, this is also the problem, isn't it? Not that he said the pants were too tight. Pamela's saying they're not going to win. There's no way Springboks can beat France Island or the All Blacks. I'll talk about that a bit. Uh, I'll be mm -hmm. saying that uh, Andre, Damien, Delaney, and Jesse could be in the same back line. They couldn't, theory. Andre Paul is the most important Springbok in the team. There's no way Creel or Moody has better defense than Colby on wing. Uh, Creel definitely probably does, but I'm not going to go into that debate. Uh, now, Jay saying box will crush Iron. Right. Well, first of all, chaps, before we actually sort of dive into the, the, the intricacies of the squad, there's a few things that we kind of have to talk about. And that's obviously the injuries. And in terms of injured players, now my understanding, and I did try to check this, and I haven't seen anything which sort of is 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 not the case. But an injured player is an injured is an injury replacement. So you cannot just almost say, right, Andre Pollard passed the fitness test, therefore he's replacing this guy in the squad. There does have to be an injury before you can replace mm. players. So it's not a backup, you know, B list. You can just draw them in. There has to be an injury. From what I understand, there's actually no massive regulations regarding who gets injured. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can't just go replace a prop with a with a wing. But if a scrum off gets injured, you don't have to replace a scrum off, for example. Which, in our case, we definitely wouldn't, given the fact that we've got 1,500 of them. Um, but I think before we sort of look at the squad, there's 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 certain things that we have to talk about that, that people can get upset about as you want, but with the uncontrollables. And, and then we'll talk about the uncontrollables. Now, Rees, the, the uncontrollables are Andre Pollard injured, not being able to recover, which was always the plan. Lacanya, I'm re-injuring himself uh, last weekend, which again, not part of the plan. And now Lord Diago suddenly picking up this chest um, condition, which is going to warrant a, a specialist opinion. Also, not something you just, you know, can kind of predict. Um, so, I suppose the big thing is, is that is there justification to be angry about the lack of preparedness with regards to these positions? Or do you think it's literally the luck of the draw that we probably just happen to have two of maybe the most important positions where maybe there isn't as much depth being the ones where the players didn't manage to recover? Um, yeah, good question, Steve. Um, to, to be very honest, and I, I'm going to be blunt, and unfortunately, people must realize that I have a Springbok supporter at heart, and I'm through and through. So when I bash them, it's simply because I need to think about it from the other side of the coin as well. And with that in mind, I think we've been talking about it for a few months, and these have always been problem areas for us um, at Flaff and at Outside Center. And we talked about how scary it was that Monty Libak was only getting his chance following URC now and was really only kind of stepping into the backup role to Andre Pollard. We were infuriated, in fact, that he was only being brought in as the incumbent to, to Andre now. So with that in mind, you go, well, hell, Andre has gone. Marnie's now first choice. And we've and, got Alton. And, and well, we haven't just, mm. we just haven't considered Alton. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's gone out the window. He hasn't got game time, so fair enough. Um, but that's because, as you said, perhaps a lack of preparedness um, on on behalf of the coaching staff um, and the selectors and so on. And I think that there has to be some partial blame put on them. Um, I know Rudy is a big fan in our coaching staff and they've given us good reason to be in, in, the, in the years past, but I think we, I think we have to apportion some blame here and say to them, guys, you, you had four years to develop a backup plan. Uh, last Russell cup was Elton. Now it's now it's money. Now we don't have a backup to either of them, um, which is scary. And and the same thing goes for thirteen. It's quite obvious what the problems are there. We're sitting with the exact same thirteen problem that we had in twenty nineteen, as well as at Flower. So one can only say that they haven't learned any lessons from that. And luckily, last time they weren't didn't have these injury problems. So yeah, they they missed a the bullet there. Now they've been caught with it, and we'll have to see how it lies. And, and then Rudy, just, yeah, Carl, you want to jump in? Let's be honest. Morning, stay in only just retired. You're fine. Okay, no, relax. But I mean, that's an interesting point, I mean, though. I mean, Rudy, so, 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 you know, do you think, I mean, was it a case of there were players out there that probably deserved a chance? Or do you think that, you know, they've, they've had to kind of limit their options because they weren't necessarily the options there? You know, for example, Flyer Half, you know, before my leave, I really stepped up. People kept complaining about a, uh, just a woeful lack of flowers. Not all of a sudden Rob Dupree has a good season in the premiership and all of a sudden he's the godsend and stuff. Do you think it was, was this a case of the Bok management being stubborn by not picking players that were out there to pick? 
Um, or do you think they just think, thought they didn't need to look at those players because of the players they had? I think to a large degree, uh, based on the circumstances and the uncontrollables that you talk about, his hand was forced or the coach's hands were forced a little bit. If you take into account a guy like Johan Goersen, who was the URC um, goal kicker of the season, in terms of accuracy, he would have been in the framework, still relatively young, has, has some experience, but then again, very injury prone. So I think that would have been a big, big risk, um, considering he also came back from an injury. So if you look at a Libok uh, kind of guy, the standout obviously in the URC um, this last season and the season before, um, so, yes, he did get his chance a little bit too late. My only concern is the URC and the tournament we're going to now, the Rugby World Cup, is going to be two different things. So, can he match that? I'm not saying he can't. I'm not here to criticize him. In fact, I back every player that's gone and, and been chosen. It's just we need to then, with this crisis at fly-off to, to Andre Pollard, um, we need to then back Marnie in basically every single game because it's not going to be fair if he's going to be asked to sit out the less important games and we switch fly-offs and expect him to do something come semi-final. But really, but, but really to, to, to circle back to what Steve was asking, is it not unfair on Marnie that he even has to be backed to such an extent? Is it not? Should we not be apportioning some blame to the, to, to the selectors and coaching staff for putting him in this position? Yeah, 100%. That's what I'm saying. It's it's not money. I, I think uh, he should have been given an opportunity earlier, but then also um, other players coming through, like I mentioned, uh, uh, Johan Forsen. Um, but the coaches definitely have to take responsibility. But I want to back them in saying that they have faith in what they have seen, judging on, on money's performance. Yeah, I think I think the big thing, I think for me, I suppose, is that they've, They've made big decisions. Look, they have made big decisions. You know, it would have been probably quite, it would have been easier. And I think a lot of people, even if you're not a big fan, to have said, well, we'll take three scrum offs, we throw Alton back into that squad. Even if he doesn't play a minute, he's a World Cup winning fly half. Yes, he didn't play in the big games, but he played in the, he's played in the World Cup. He's got 49 tests. You know, he's been there. He's done that. He's got And the for experience. all intents and purposes, the, the way they spoke about him and his role in the last World Cup, um, as the sort of behind-the-scenes researcher, mm. even that alone would have been invaluable, I think. Yeah, but and, and they always said that he was the second-choice 10. Up until less than a year ago, he was the second-choice 10. And you kind of understand that there was other situations which sort of forced him out. And you can kind of understand, if you're going into the World Cup with Pollard as your number, number as your first choice, and you're thinking, right, well, Marlon Libos is going to be our second choice, yes, he would have liked to have had more game time, but the situation with Alton necessitated that. And then if we really need... We've got Damien Phillips' option. But now to go as Molly Lebock as number one, Damien Phillips is number two, and to still not consider an almost 50 test fly half is probably quite a big red flag. And, and the big thing everybody keeps asking is the goal kicking issue. Um, Carl, how much do you think the goal kicking issue is an issue with regards to Damien Phillips, who hasn't played 10 for his franchise in the last 18 months? Um, in fact, we've only had there's only one member of the squad going who's actually played 10 for their franchise in the last basically two years. Um, and Leibok is not a bad goal kicker. For as much as people will, are quick to sort of say he's not a great kicker, goal kicker, he's not a bad one. He just kind of has his off and on days. Um, but how much of that is a concern? Uh, I mean, the further you go in the competition, the uh, the more and more it'll actually be, become a concern. I think in the pool stage is less so. Uh, although that being said, you're playing Ireland and Scotland, so yeah, you you know you can't leave points on the on the on the field. Um, Scotland coming off of, you know, beating a, a second string side in France, but showed that they can come back from a huge deficit. Um, and Ireland just being Ireland. Um, I think it, 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 it's going to be problematic when, like, I think it was um, Rudy saying that um, playing defensive rugby, you know, might be the way that you, you want to play. But that means if you're playing defensive rugby, you're going to have to try and win by kicking penalties. That kind of is a oh we we're doing well here but we're kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean that's that's your reward for good that's your reward for good defense is generally penalties and field mm. position is and the ability to get back in the arms. But if you can't kick them, exactly yeah that's it's pointless. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean it's the, I mean the last time I saw Faf playing, he was actually kicking pretty decently. He was by, wasn't he your best kicker in in last mm. year? 
statistically, he actually uh, was. But he had yeah. the percentage wise. I think he's missed one kick in the last. Look, I don't think he only had about nine or ten. But to be fair, nine or ten, he only missed one. So it's an interesting. Uh, it's it, not to be sneezed at. Well, I suppose it's an interesting selection. To, you know, do you? I mean, I suppose because let's be honest, there's no ways they've sat down and said, "Ah, oh, we don't need a goal kicker. We're worried. We're not. We you know it's that's that's not an issue." So I suppose they must have looked at it and sat there thinking, "Well, actually, we're we're, we're comfortable enough with Marnie as an option, Faf as an option, and Chesney as an option to warrant not going and getting." And Alton Yankees, who kicks at over 80%. People, this whole, con- and I don't know why, there's a bit of a rich going that he wasn't a great kicker, which was the weirdest thing, because statistically, Fantastic. he's a better goal kicker than Pollard is, actually. Um, so it's an interesting concept, but they've obviously had this conversation and still said, we're actually still happy with what we've got. Um, which I think a lot of, I think a lot of sad is going, well, you must be seeing something that we're not, because that for me was the it remains to be the biggest talking point, and even people in the comments talking about the fact is that lack of a ninety percent goal kicker. You know, the lack of a Emiliano Buffelli, a Richie Mwanga, a Johnny Sexton, you know, a Finn Russell, a Owen Farrell. You know, somebody like an Owen Farrell, for example. Two years ago, yeah. No, Owen Farrell is fine. I don't know why. You, I know you hate him. Reason is back him up, but Owen Farrell is a world class goal kicker. At the end of the day, he is a yeah, world class goal kicker. He, he was. He is a world class goal kicker. Can I just can I just throw a spanner in the works and say, don't be surprised to see Andre Pollard feature in the quarterfinal. Yeah. So the point of it, I suppose. Yeah. So that is an interesting point. The fact that. There's nothing to say these players won't play in the World Cup. The problem is, is you kind of are relying on an injury to happen, which is a uh, very weird well, you're, concept. To you're relying on more than an injury, Steve. You're, what you're actually relying on is the fact that Andre Pollard is going to slip back into a system he hasn't been part of for however long he's been out for. I mean, in it's, a, in it's, a it's incredibly hard. Yeah. Fair, we're not going to ask him to do anything besides kick the goal. That's just, <laughs> it's just like, bad for kick off nine. You just take it and go to Damien and then kick for goal. And after that, you're fine. Just tackle. I mean, I mean, do you, we, not, we, do you I, not think that they've, um, I mean, Villy's been playing a lot, fitting in at 10 quite a lot over the last season. Do you think that they've been like, right, so when we really need him to, he'll just fit in there and we'll play around it? From a playmaker point of view, I think definitely. Um, I think that there are other options at ten. I mean, for example, I think Faf de yeah. Kirk has become an option at ten. People, I mean, people okay. are saying Jaden Henderson could, could could do if worse comes to worse type thing in terms of playing there during the opening. But again, the goal kicking comes an option. Although Jaden Henderson actually is a goal kicking option as well. He doesn't he hasn't done a lot of it um, because he's had a lot of goal kickers around him. But he kicked throughout school and actually kicked for the SN twenties back in the day. Look, I, I, I don't think the question is, can these guys fill in and fly off and do a half decent job? It's whether or not they can fill in and fly off in a World Cup when they weren't expecting to and be match winners. And beat the it's, it's a whole different story. You know, I, I mean, we all back their quality and no one's doubting them, but goodness, the, the reason, ask reason, is massive. Reza, just to push back a little bit on on Andre Pollard and, and him featuring the quarterfinal, do you not see him playing against the All Blacks come the twenty fifth now in the I must final warm up? I don't really. I must. I, I. Well, even if he plays the warm up, I don't think it matters too much. I think that if Marnie is playing most of the way through this World Cup and we get to a quarter final and suddenly Andre Pollard puts his hand up and says I'm hundred percent fit, I think I back Marnie to to continue playing at that point. Yeah. I really don't think it's and one one from a from a from a from a form point of view. There's too many unknowns with Andre at that point. And let's be honest, if if he if Moni gets us to a quarterfinal or even a semifinal or whatever, he's earned his right to be there. And I think it would just mm. be a travesty to to see Andre usurp him at that point. Not I love Andre. I think he's fantastic, but he's just he's if he's gonna be out this long. No thanks. But then also that that also would huge have huge ramifications if you lost. Can you imagine the crucifixion he'd get? Correct. Well oh, then you also have all the money. Oh well, if Andre played, we wouldn't win. I'm not also saying, sorry, I'm not also saying we should necessarily start Andre, but I think uh, if he's fit and ready and able off the bench, Libok then okay. back him at okay. 10 and well, my, Andre off the bench. My only thing is, surely he's not. Surely he's not a genuine candidate to play against Wales or Blacks because, I mean, Andre Pollard has been backed in bad form, in terrible form, with game time, with no game time for the last five years, pretty categorically. So my thinking is, if he's got a 50% chance, even a 40% chance of being fit enough for the World Cup, and he was ready to play these warm-up games, surely they would have taken him. 
I don't see yeah, why they would. It must be bad. It, it must be yeah. bad. It must be really bad. So, mm. so the fact, I even agree. the fact that he's been taken as an injury cover for me is is surprising for these two games. I mean, I want half of me thinks it's probably more a case of him being with the medical staff, so they can kind of continue to track the progress to make make that a call. But yeah, that is a big call. But chaps, let's actually have a look at this uh, at the squad, shall we? Um, and and there it is. And obviously, we've, we've already spoken about the deficiencies at 10 and, the, and maybe the issues at 13. It's amazing how everybody who's been hating on Jason Creel are going to have to really get behind him because he's about to put <laughs> in a big stint. Um, but regardless, so, so take away those two positions. Everybody kept talking about the fact that you shouldn't pick on form. You should be picking on, I mean, you shouldn't pick on on on, uh, on reputation. You should be picking on form and, and you, know, you should be have the ability to play yourself into the World Cup. There are Dion Fries, Jean Claines, Grant Williams, and Caden Moody selections in this, in this, in this side or in the squad, which would recommend that form has definitely come into the conversation. So, really, take away the, the, the two positions we talk about. There are certainly some very exciting selections in the squad. So, for me, uh, I think the the interesting one everyone felt uh, Andre Esterhazen also won't get an opportunity. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think for me, I, I made a prediction earlier on, I think it was actually last week sometime on what my squad would be. And I was totally, totally wrong. So I'm going to put my hand up, but it's also as a result of, of the injuries. But I think a guy like Marvin Ori in the last game also put his hand up where he couldn't be ignored. Um, like I mentioned, the Andre Esterhazen. And then obviously um, a guy like Kanan Moody, young but old at heart. So the balance of the team is obviously a topic for debate. But I think in terms of what has happened in, in, in the uncontrollables, in the injury uh, department, um, I think this team can do well. Yeah, so Rhys, which, which selections A, surprise you and B, excite you? Um, yeah, to, to jump off the back of, of Rudy there, I think most of my... Um, Trying to stand out ones, I would go with uh, Trevor. I think is um, not totally unexpected, but uh, there were concerns that the fact that he wouldn't actually be um, be selected. Obviously, I, I know you had some some worries there, Steve, about well, <laughs> whether well, Trevor would be he wasn't playing. Right. Yeah, he wasn't playing. I think really amongst the forwards, that's kind of my only sort of surprise there. Uh, if you go towards the backs, I think Estazen is a great call. I think fantastic. I'm glad he's there. Uh, Kenan Moody, of course, I think. Is the perfect example of played his way into this team um too good to be ignored um yeah and obviously i am glad Makazoli is there i think perhaps it's more a case of you know again injury enforced you know he's, there was space for him at the end of the day um and we've got everything we wanted there Kurt Lee, of course is there Jaden is fantastic that's a surprise um, we weren't too sure about it. Um, and then we thought that there would be three, and we thought that obviously the fourth would not go. Um, but Kerbis is there. Um, <laughs> again, do we think that's a space thing? Because surely if Pollard's fit, we don't take four flop, we should take four square miles. I do, and I, 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 already gone. I, I just, I mean, regardless of whether we picked him or not, I'm, I'm still confused as to why we've picked four. Mm. Um, I mean, you, you've picked one of those. I'm not entirely sure who, but uh, the consensus seems to be that it's Fuff who will be the like the serious backup fly half, which I think is ridiculous, um, personally. Um, and I just don't really understand this this four scrum off thing. That's the one concern for me. But yeah, some really exciting ones. Obviously, Grant Williams. I think in terms of the backs and who we wanted to see, we're getting that. We're also getting a bit of what we didn't want to see. We probably got more than we actually wanted there. Um, but yeah, the forwards pretty standard. The backs, that's where all the excitement lies for me. Well, the one thing I will say, not not pretty standard with the forwards, and I can't go to you, is taking only two out and out hookers and, and going with that Dion Free utility sort of role instead of a, a Joseph Dweller, for example. And, and I think would probably be about the only squad that have only taken two, two hookers. Do you see, you know, Malcolm Marks and Mongi Manami playing every game, or do you think it'll be a case of Dion Free will, 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 will deputize off the bench at 16 for a couple of games? And not even necessarily come on and hook her, but be the option if needs be. Who, who are the minnows in your pair in your pool again? Minnows, um, yeah, you've got Romania and then bloody Tonga. Yeah. 
We're not allowed to use that word anymore. Yeah, we, we, there, there are no minutes. So Tongo, Tongo, your chances are you'll get an injury or two. I mean, you should. Yes, you should beat them. But there are, I reckon they're going to be dark horses. Actually, I reckon they'll topple one of the top, one of the top three, uh, just randomly, um, because they do have just insane talent in that back in that back line. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think maybe against Romania they might just chuck them in at uh, number two and have. Um, I think probably Malcolm Marx is the one you have to keep. That you absolutely have to. He cannot get injured. Um, if if he gets injured, you're pretty fucked. Um, so I think he'll probably only play the big games. Um, I don't know. Like it's a strange one for me because I'm not forward at all. <laughs> really not. Um, no, no, of course not. I mean, you, you know, size wise. Yeah, so I should have thrown this to ne- Reza. Never appealed to. Me. <laughs> But it's an interesting one, and it's for the first time. It's like, for the first time, I think in oh, okay in um in South African I don't know World Cup history. I'm not I'm I'm not overly scared of the forward pack. Yo, that's a big call. Yeah, that's no, that's yeah. a wait, huge call. Wait, you wait, telling me that you see Stephen Kitts of Welcome Box, France, Mahoba take to the field with Evan Edsabeth, Franco Mustard, Sia Khalid, Peter Steph, the Toy, Dwayne Moon, oh, and you I'm then see some of those guys come off the bench. Up. You're not scared. I'm not. I'm not arguing that they're going to fuck us up, but I'm. I would argue that in previous World Cups, you look at every single position of a Springbok uh, uh, scrum. Every single one of them is a star player that would walk into any team. I don't see that as much in this one. Okay, which which team doesn't any of our the best seven, best eight forwards not not walk into? Who's not walking into any of those those teams? Um. Well, Orion Klain wouldn't. Well, Warren, I don't even know what Orient came with Arty. Yeah. You could have Eben and Franco starting with Archeus Neyman off the bench. I, I, I mean, Marco van Staden is very good, but he's not tested enough to do so. Also not um, starting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would start him. He's fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> that that um, is a walking but, contradiction, Carl. You can't I'm say sorry. he's I don't think he's I that think good enough, but I would start him. I think he would. But I don't think other coaches would. But also, like, look, uh, Jesus Christ, is Dwayne Vermeulen going? Yes. And yes. Okay. So, so, who do you reckon starting out of those two in the most important games? What, Dwayne Vermeulen and Jasper? Yeah. Dwayne, hands down, after what I've seen in the last month. And, but would he walk into any other other squad at the moment? Squad, yes. Team, no. Squad, yes. Sorry, team. Starting 15, maybe not, but... um... Squad, yeah. I, I he's still, he's still, he's, he, look, I, I say five years ago, fuck, I'd walk onto the field and be like, no, I'm not playing him, bye. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I, you, offer, I, you offer Eddie Jones to Anthony Mullen, he starts him in every position on the field. <laughs> yeah. And twice a 10. I, it's, it, look, <laughs> it's still a very good forward pack. It's just not, it's, it's not as, as fearful as what I, I was used to when living in fucking South Africa. <laughs> Okay, like, so like, yeah, and and in the backs, uh, just out of curiosity, are you are you scared of the potential there? Well, not really. Is it too inexperienced? Only in, only in the back three, and basically only on the wings, and maybe Andreas Andreas But then again, I fucking support England, so we're fucked anyway. Like we we'd lose in every position. So um, I don't know. I I think going against the All Blacks, or hypothetically going. That's okay. So going against Ireland. Um, I, I don't know. I'll take Damien Williams at 10, 4, 6 in any day. I mean, yeah, so would I. At least, you know, one's grey, <laughs> one isn't. But, um, one's nice to referees. <laughs> sure. But I, I don't know, like, the oh thing is, like, you're going to struggle with a power game against Ireland because they're strong as shit now. Uh, McCloskey at 12 is going to match De- uh, Esther, Esther Hazen. Well, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I I think South Africa's power game is going to be a bit harder to use now. See, to be honest, I, so so I'll be honest. I I disagree with that quite quite strongly because I think that that's the reason why I still think we've got a chance. I think that we can put together a twenty three which can match most teams. Yes, I think there are a couple of question marks because, for example, you have Mindy Box starting next to against the Romanian intermaker Johnny Sexton and Richie Mwanga, and the pedigree is very different. But we know he's got the ability to be able to do it. 
Um, and, I, and I think that pack-wise, you know, I mean, France and, and Ireland have got the best packs in the world. New Zealand pack is, is looking pretty strong. But I don't necessarily see any packs which are going to bully the box, which which is always sort of a bit of a uh, a... A, a, a good a sort of good omen going in i think the biggest issue we've got is keeping our best 23 fits because i think our depth yeah. has taken a bit of a knock in with with those with those injuries um and but, and i think coming coming back to what we were talking about earlier of um have the have the coaches made a an error in you know how long it took them to um bring in money livock and other players like that it's kind of a problem they've had for a lot longer than just this set of coaching staff. It's almost yep. a South African me uh, rugby mentality. Um, and I get, you know, experience does win World Cups. That's been proven time and time again. And so in some ways, yes, the, like the, the team you've got, especially the, the old buggers, you know, it's, it's what you want there. But when in, in the four years between them, the, the rigidity that has not helped them at all in this scenario, whereas it no. has before. Cole, you, I mean, you, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, there was the post Mornay stain was the um, experimental young person who eventually landed up with Alton Yankees, who put a man at trial by fire um, for his first 20 odd tests, you know, and got, we were in one of the very worst spring off phases of our lives and all because well, we had more stay in every game, so what was the point of trying out anyone else? Yeah, and then we refused, and then we didn't pick anybody from overseas, so we had a we had a, we had a so. dreadful. Also, also, you arguably wasted one of your best fly-off talents in a while in Pat Lambie because of more staying. Okay, oh, hold on. I hold really on. like no. Pat Lambie got smoked. Yeah, everyone, 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 everyone yeah, liked Pat Lambie playing before that. <laughs> and Pat the man, the man was on the path to to a, a huge comeback. Heineken men did not like, didn't want to play him. Well, he couldn't play him. He was, he was, he was injured every four weeks. I, I, I spent four months in like in the hospital every time with a concussion. I, it, I'll, I'll, I will, I will forgive most coaches for not being able to back Pat Lambie properly because he couldn't get back properly. Poor lad. I mean, if, if Pat Lambie was fit, he'd probably, I mean, in theory, if the trajectory was going, he, he might have even put Pollard on the bench for years. Yeah. He's unfortunately a, a lost talent, I think. He was very good. Right. So let's talk about let's talk about areas which are very strong. Which, let's talk about areas that an opposition coach watches today and goes, "Hell, how do we deal with that?" Really, what what are areas are what are what can what could be our go to? What what can be our in case emergency break glass? This is an area we can dominate against any team. I think uh, most importantly would be the set piece and in particular our scrums. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to add, though, uh, a lot of it comes down to, so we have the kits of Mulhaber, the Oxen Chair, Vincent Koch, and, and it's like uh, a lot hinges on the hunger in, in this <coughs> tournament. So they have the experience, they have the technique, they've pushed back basically every front row that I've seen. And then the, also the interchangeability between the front rows uh, with the bench that comes on also stands us in, in excellent stead, but it does come down to, to that hunger. And then also particularly in the lineouts where I think um, we, we base a lot of our, our mall drive. And if we have that hunger and we have that passion and intensity, that becomes a far more uh, intricate part of, of how we play. Reason, let's, let's talk about the lineouts a little bit. I think, I think nobody, 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 I think nobody's ever going to doubt the staff and scrummaging Prowess. And yeah. I think Oxen Chairs are only going to add to that because we know that they've got that combination of Ox, Bongi, and um, and Franz Boherber from a height perspective. And then the kits of Koch, Marks, whichever one starts them comes off the bench. We kind of know that they generally will get the better of most teams. Lutiaga is a big loss from the lineup perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Who do you move to five? Do you go with Marvin or your Frank Master? Both very, very capable lineup operators. One has been used utility forward, mostly playing at seven. The other one playing at five the entire sort of rugby championship thing. But one is probably, in theory, if, if we put it bluntly, a Franco Masters for me is a better player than Frank within a Marvin Ori. Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's an interesting one, Stevie, because if it, for me, it really depends on, on the type of game that you're going for. And we've lost something in our lineouts. I'm not too sure what, what it's come down to, but 
we were we were um, competing for a lot of lineouts for for a very long time, and suddenly that seems to have died away. We haven't quite got that right lately, and we've also struggled to secure our own ball of late. Um, and so we've got to ask the question as to who's the better exponent. One first thing you got to do is make sure you win one hundred percent of your lineouts um, every single week, every week in and week out. Uh, from that perspective, I think I think if you're going for safety first, I would probably go with Marvin um, to start in that position. I think. Franco's not really had a lot of time at lock, um, but when he was, and being a Lions fan, we spent a lot of time watching him. He was honestly one of the best disruptors of the line out that you will ever find. If they can work on that, I guess, in the lead up to the World Cup, and they can find that form in him again, um, again, because we haven't seen it from him, I can't tell you if he's still got it in him. Um, which I'm sure he does, though. And then I think that he's got to start. Um, but again, just based on what we've seen so far, probably Marvin for the safety option. I mean, who would have thought that Diego would be talking about Marvin Ori potentially being our starting five coming into into the World Cup? It's amazing how, how things have, have changed. I and mean, people were talking about even as far as two, three weeks ago, he shouldn't even be in the squad, let alone an option to, to, to start. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's... Potentially in line there. I think it's a very good point. Well, it, it's, we talked also, about it before. We said he's never going to do anything spectacular. But he will do the job for you. And you know? if you're a set-piece team, guaranteeing set-piece ball is half the fight. Yeah. You know, you, you, at, at the end of the day, you might be able to put in a more X-factor type lock, like an Archeus Neyman, for example. But would you rather guarantee, would you rather be operating at 90, 95% of your lineouts or 80, 85% of your lineouts? Um, and have an X-Factor player. And there's no, and there's not necessarily a right answer to that, but as a set-piece-driven side, having that player who we know you can rely on getting those, winning those lineouts and put, being able to set that up is is so, so crucial. Um, and, and I suppose that's a little bit of a worry if, you know, Dion Free, for example, is coming up hooker. I mean, we haven't seen a throw a ball into a lineout ever, I don't think, in, in, in the green and gold, you know. So that's, uh, I think we're basing a lot of our decisions, a lot of our... Uh... Um, choices in selection on what guys have done in the past or have been known to do, and they haven't really, they haven't really shown us that they still have it in them. Um, these are professional rugby players. I'm sure they continue to work on the skills that they used to have. Um, I'm sure Franco is still jumping in lineouts and stuff, but yeah, it's it's hard to make well, a call from the sidelines. Interesting. Whenever whenever you see training and stuff like that, he's often jumping and stuff like that. That's an interesting point. So, really, do you think? Lots of people, and and and, some, and this often happens when you're playing badly. Lots of people talk about the fact that it's about not showing your cards and about keeping stuff back. How much can we? Do you think we can expect to be different? You know, do we think that what we're going to be seeing at the World Cup is kind of what we've been trying to do, or do you think there has been a lot of this is what the plan is for the World Cup? We don't want to show things too early, and we've actually got this whole different plan that no one's actually expecting. That come the World Cup, we're suddenly going to bring up this whole different thing, and and trying to implement it which is a very hard thing to do i think in terms of the selections again uh being forced uh, by the injuries that that have occurred um the replacement players obviously are going to have to lay the groundwork for the forwards so if we look at the the composition of the squad it's 19 forwards 14 backs and there's a large attrition rate as well in, in terms of the competition as we go on playing against uh, the likes of Tonga. But I think if we if we lay the right platform um, in terms of the forward dominance, the hunger that I was talking about, then we can see the, the likes of the excitement of the Kenyan Moody, Kurt Lee Orenser, or the experience of, of Makazola Mapimpi. I also just want to add, don't be surprised if we see all of those five players um, on the standby list feature in the World Cup some way or another. Mm, yeah, I think it's... I'm very interested to see what we try and do and what we don't try and do and, and how quickly we, we move away from what we're trying to do. You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing saying we've got this plan. It doesn't always work. How much do you commit to the plan? Um, or how much do you then suddenly fall back on what is sort of tried and tested? And it's suppose it's a game of, of don't blink. And, and, and Carl, it's been interesting because a lot of people, for example, say that they're saying, well, you know, Ireland have shown their cards. They, we all know how they play. Therefore, maybe, you know, they can become predictable in a very common. So I think that the way that they play at the moment is so far away from being predictable. 
um, that that's not necessarily the case. But but that is an interesting sort of point in terms of this game of cat and mouse. You know, you're going to go, I did SA walk onto the pitch and I didn't go, well, I'm pretty sure you're going to do this, but you might do this. And SA going to go, well, I'm pretty sure you're going to do this. You might do this. We've designed, and, and it's like this whole thing of, do you play your own game plan? Do you try and nullify the opposition game plan? And where do you find that balance as well in terms of preparing for opposition versus this is how we play. If we execute well, we can beat any team with it. I, just, I, I think uh, for, for me personally, I mean, it, look, may, coaches may do it and they may not say, they may never say anything about it. Um, but let, let's be honest, like what, what was the one thing that we were always taught when we would fuck around in school and, you know, during practice time and um, not do what we were meant to be doing, practice how you play. And um, I think the constant thing of, oh, you know, we're not, we're not going to show what we can do until the World Cup chances are they're going to fall apart because they haven't been able to show, they haven't been able to prove that it works. And I, d I don't see anything different coming from Ireland in the World Cup. Um, my, I think, just thinking about it now, I, I do wonder how the, um, the backline selections for South Africa will affect the bomb squad. Um, will they now have to reshuffle the bench system just because they don't have all of the options they would want? Yeah, I think that's Great. an interesting point that people are talking about. Maybe you can elaborate on that. Does mm -hmm. the injuries we've got, for example, now necessitate maybe a move away from a 6-2 and to a more orthodox 5-3? Yeah, I think it has to. Um, I really, really do. I, I don't think we can afford to, especially when we're taking more risky options in a starting lineup. Um, if those guys aren't performing and you've only got two to pick from on the bench um, to really fill those voids, um, honestly, no one wants to see Cocker Smith running down the wing again the man is very capable and he's a seventh player, but he knocks people out when he's on that wing. <laughs> and he more often than not lands up with a card somehow. Um, and so it's just, we can't have that kind of shortage um, in a World Cup here. And to be honest, I don't think we necessarily need the bomb squad tactic. Um, not to say that it's dead in the water and the idea is gone. Um, I think it's overkill sometimes. I really do. Uh, um, and there's a time and a place for it. Um, especially like Carl said, when you've got your perhaps first string back lines of um, back line, then it's not so much an issue. Um, then you can go and pack those forwards in. You're facing a full strength New Zealand and you want to make sure that you come off that bench fresh as, as a daisy. Um, hitting on that, on, that, on, on that talk, again, in line with the change in perhaps bench, is I'm worried about the, the fitness of the squad um, in general. Um, not talking about injury fitness, I'm talking about just general fitness. When we went to Japan, as everyone now knows, having watched the documentary and we saw the prep after the World Cup, we went there earlier than anyone else to Japan. We played in the heats. The guys lost like 10 to 15 kilograms um, in some cases, and they were fit as anything. They, we all saw that shirtless photo of them, um, which they took post the start of the World Cup, and everyone was shredded, Bongi included, just ripped to hell. Um, I'm not quite seeing that just yet. Uh, from this current crop of squad players. And I think that we might suffer when we move to that 5-3 split um, if we're not as fit as we were back then. Um, and those 5 forwards are going to have to carry the workload a bit more. Um, I really hope that they get this preseason right, um, so that they come in hot. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, I think. And, and it's a very different type of preseason to last time where there are, it is this, all these different warm-up matches. For example, last time we only had one warm-up match. Um, against Japan, and we did have basically a three-week camp. Uh, whereas now it's going to be more a um, two two warm-up games, and then a and then like a one-week camp, really, before sort of the World Cup and stuff. So it's it's, it's a very different yeah. thing to 2019 with regards to the conditions. Look, I suppose the nice thing is it's not as hot. It's not as you know physically. I think it's going to be as tough playing in France in in sort of um, in autumn than it was in Japan, where it was it was incredibly hot. Um, but yeah, I think the conditions as well will be, will be interesting to see how we kind of cope with those traditions and uh, condition stuff. But uh, we were just talking a little bit about maybe Spazia Khaleesi. He hasn't played a game yet uh, for the Springboks. He was been training. Um, he was running around in the in the cap in the captain's run and even ran around a little bit in the warm. So he looks like he's pretty much ready for for the return. Um, and I think some people have been asking, well, why does Khaleesi get picked without having played a game, uh, coming back from injury, not part of the Kanyam? I think the simple answer is he's a completely different situation with regard to that injury. But... Is he a concern from a, from a match fitness point of view, or is what we've seen for the last few years when he's been playing some of his best rugby enough to sit there saying, when he pulls on that box jersey, he's always fine? 
I think for the for the fact of how he galvanizes uh, South Africa, we talk about stronger together. Um, I don't think there's any doubt having him there would be an opportunity for South Africa to get behind the box even more so. And in light of uh, his recent performances up until the injury, he's really shown there were there were doubters right up. I mean, after the 2019 World Cup, uh, you could listen to people still doubting whether he would be the best open side that we have. And if you just combine the, the, the galvanizing effect and his playing ability, I think the two together make like a, a superpower for us. And keep in mind, uh, let's not forget that uh, the last time we had a World Cup in France, South Africa won. So, yeah. Yeah, please don't remind me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you must. You must know. Don't come here with the England crap. Thank you, fuck, it won't be the same this year. <laughs> yeah, because England won't make a final. Yeah, we no, won't. We, we're not getting out of the pools, mate. And yeah, you don't deserve it to, Argentina. To, to be fair. Um, yeah, Reese, I think expanding on that, I mean, Sia, as I said, he becomes such an important player, and, and maybe not even just the issue, but more in the sort of playing ability as well. People have spoken about the fact that Marco Stardens had good games, Quack Smith had certain games, but he just brings a whole different sort of dimension from his playing abilities, doesn't he, at the moment with the work with the team he was in in the yeah. last two years. Yeah, I, I think I saw a lot of, um, well, not a lot. I, I saw a couple of dissenters in the comments um, on the announcement when Sia was announced as if it was going to be a huge surprise. And they're like, oh, I can't believe he's getting picked. And I'm like, listen, Sia, one, as when he puts on a box jersey, as you said, he's a completely different beast. Domestic form aside, um, he seems to elevate his game every single time. Um, with that in mind, though, um, the one thing I will say is that they've always seemed to manage Sia quite well. So when he's returned from injury or he needs a bit of time or whatever, they haven't been afraid to, let's say, sub him off after 50 minutes and say, look, we're, we're comfortable that your position off the field is not going to impact on our, on our leadership. So, you know, Dwayne steps up or, or some of the, one of the other boys steps up into their captaincy role. And obviously they, they feel comfortable enough and we have been blessed with Lucy's for a very long time that if they need to play him shorter, we've got someone there to to step into his shoes. Having uh, with all of that in mind, though, again, um, if anyone has followed his social media and seen the way he's been hyping himself up, I would say over the past couple of months while he's been an injury, the man looks insanely ready. You know, whether it's a, a PR stunt for himself, he's just trying to get himself hyped, but he looks like he's working hard. Mm -hmm. He seems galvanized. He seems ready to go. Um, and that's the kind of thing you want to see from a player. He's exuding confidence in himself, um, and I think that he's going to be he's going to be tremendous. Right. So then, I think the last point, as we sort of start to wrap up here, is um, you know which players do you think uh, are under pressure, maybe for sort of their finals for their for their big spots in in sort of the big games, and, and which players do we think have have actually forced themselves into not just the squad now, but actually being into into sort of the starting, well, the 23. I mean, I think we all know that these days, starting on the bench is is pretty irrelevant with regards to your abilities or kind of come down to the game plan. But Carl, which players do you think have all of a sudden put the names into the hat to be in that 23, which maybe weren't two or three months ago? Uh, I mean, for me, the, 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 the one I'm actually most happy about as well is uh, Esther Hazen. Like, like I barely getting a look in last year, arguably, you know, closer to three months ago than that, and then has one just incredible game, and now he's in the squad. Probably should start. Yeah, yeah. not the best. He will start, but I definitely think he's given them something he to think about. He might not, but yeah. I, no, no, I agree though. I think he has. He has been one of those players who I think has given them something to think about. Reese, any, any players for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got a we've got a whole list going on there. I think we've got uh, we've got a scrummy issue. Um, I do. I think that that's still up for debate. If you're talking about your stronger side, I think both our wingers. Um, and I think Villy's nailed down 15, but mm -hmm. Damien, you know, if he comes into form, could possibly challenge for the right kind of game. Andrews, anyone for you? Uh, just on a lighter note, I don't think he's under pressure, but he's got a lot of responsibility. Uh, I think I've just been made aware of the fact that Fafter Clerk is going to be our third choice hooker, so he's throwing in in the, in the lineups. <laughs> Uh, but but coming back well, to your he, question, has, he, has, he has jumped in a lineup before. Yes, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, he, he jumped. He got launched into the stratosphere. Okay. 
But uh, but I think coming back to your point, uh, a player like Marco van Staden, in light of Sia Kulisi's injury, stood up um, in, in the games. And then obviously, like Cal said, uh, your Andre Esterhazen. And then just your your outside backs. If you take a look at uh, Kane and Moody, um, obviously he's only played a handful of games. But I think it was enough for them to see that he's definitely uh, going to be putting pressure on the guys who have been there, done that already, and won a World Cup. So it's it's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm very uh, positive, to say the least. Ruth, if you had to um, pick South two, Africa if you had to pick two, can most tomorrow? certainly win this World Cup if they just push with that hunger, passion, intensity that we have. You know, after that long night of a, a brandy and coke festival <laughs> or something, if we can just get that uh, babalas chias in us, I think uh, we'll win. Oh boy! So basically, pack, pack, pack the Richelieu, and and we'll be okay. Um, not, yeah. not the king. No, no, no. Oh, uh, notable omission: the Pwe Dianti. <laughs> I was so ready for that. I was not Twitter. I was like, just, just do it. What did you want? We were to happy. Lose? We were happy ourselves up in the group chat uh, for that. We were like, could you imagine, imagine they just the first was a joke. And imagine we just drop them and, and they just yeah. take them and they say, right. We'll start him against Romania. What's the worst that can happen? If you know, you know what's quite scary is if he hadn't appealed um, his initial sentence, he would have been playing, what was it, almost a year ago, I think. Yeah, I think he would have. Um, what what, so what, what have, I think annoys he, me the most about the entire thing yeah. is just been the lack of clarity we ever gotten because there was talks about him going to the court of um, arbitration of sport and stuff like that. Another thing, there was, there was never really a lot of willing information stuff out there about him. Look, he's going to win the 2027 World Cup. Uh, for us, so we don't need to worry about him, and he's going to win World Player of the Year in the next two I years. Must, I must be honest; I don't understand why he ever appealed that that ban. I mean, what did he? He got found with three of the compounds in both Diana Ball, Winstrol, and uh, I think Anavar as well. Something. I mean, one compound is okay. Maybe you could pass it off. All three compounds, you're like, oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> Right, you're done uh, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, fuck, mate. So what are you doing? Take it and move on. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes. To, uh, then he goes to the one place where everybody seems to be buckling. But anyway, let's not get thank into you. the period Yanti chat. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, thank you very much for for joining us. Uh, to everybody else in the chat, thank you for the messages. Thank you for all the votes in the poll and stuff like that. I asked, can the Springboks win the World Cup? Seventy-eight percent of people saying yes, they can. That doesn't mean they will. It means that we believe that they can. A lot of shocks, a lot of interesting things. We've got a lot of time now to talk about. We're only in action next weekend against Wales, and then a week later against New Zealand. So we still got a bit of time to sort of uh, really sort of absorb the squad, look at it, and, and start understanding where we really are. Um, but it has been a very interesting uh, day, to say the least, because I think there were certainly at least even four to five selections that probably we weren't quite expecting uh, when we woke up this morning. So there we are. Please do smash like the video. Please do subscribe to the channel as well. We are seriously close uh, to uh, 36,000 subscribers. So hopefully we'll get there before this weekend. We will be live for both games this weekend. And then obviously next weekend, the weekend after, there's a hell of a lot of rugby. So there's a lot uh, to come up. And, and uh, happy Women's Day to all our fellow South Africans. Africans. Yeah. Happy Women's Day and enjoy the public holiday tomorrow. Carl and Lux, what happens when you leave? Um, I had one yesterday, but it did fuck all. <laughs> well, there we go. That's, that's the way to go. People, thank you very much. And uh, for the panel, thank you guys. Enjoy the week. And we will see you guys all next week, Thursday, when the, the fan form returns to its usual slot. And apart from that, um, I'll probably see you guys on Thursday when we go back to some rugby news live where we continue to talk about this and exactly what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Keep well, keep safe, and I'll see you guys all next time.